I am so glad that you have chosen to join us either here in the room or if you're watching online. Thank you so much for joining us here at Calvary. Before we get started, I'd like you to do something for me, and it might seem a little weird. All right, I want you to turn to the person closest to you. Maybe you're at home, this is your living room. Maybe you're here in the room. Maybe you're at a coffee shop, which would make this really, really exciting. Turn to the person next to you. Look deep into their eyes and say, it's not about you. Kids, have you ever wanted to say that to your parents? I bet that felt pretty good, right? That lady you said it to in Starbucks probably doesn't have any clue what you're talking about, but now... I want you to look at that same person and say, it's not about me. That feels a little different, doesn't it? It's not about you. It's not about me. All right. Now that you are loosened up and a little bit confused, why don't you grab your Bibles, grab your phone, open up to Romans chapter 12. If you don't know where Romans is, Romans is in the New Testament, which is kind of the back third of the Bible. Romans is the sixth book, so it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. So you can find that. And while you are, for those of you who may not know me, my name is Josh Hobie. I am one of the music guys here at Calvary. And I actually had the opportunity to grow up here at Calvary. So it's really cool for me to be back serving alongside you for the past five years. I have an amazing wife named Danielle. I have three boys, an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a two-year-old, Brock, Elijah, and Bear. And in the Hobie household, we are absolutely terrified of distance learning. <laughs> like, it's, it's stressing us out. We did 10 weeks of it before. We got more coming. Teachers, God bless you. We know that you want our kids in the room just as much as we want to send you our kids. But some of us are not cut out for this distance learning thing. Some of us are not. I want to send my kids back so much that I would let a teacher cut in front of me in line on the way to get to heaven. That's how much I miss teachers. Man, and I know, I know that there's some people either in the room or watching online that are just as stressed out as I and our family is. So we would love to pray for you at Calvary. If you just want to put in the chat, like, we have kids in school, or if you're comfortable, put your kids' names. We have people during this service praying for you, and we would love to support you that way. All right. Now, I said earlier, I am the music guy. I'm the worship director here at Calvary. So I'm preaching. Can you, can you guess what we are going to talk about today? In the room, shout it out. Politics. You're after, no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. We are going to talk about worship today. And worship is something that I am super passionate about. And the people close to me tell me that when I get passionate about something, I have the tendency to get a little bit intense. All right? I get intense. And so today we're going to start at an energy level at about 10, maybe 11 after that Joe Bros song. And we're going to go and we're going to end at like a 14. All right? So buckle up. Seat backs up. Tray tables in their full and upright and locked position. We are going to go for a ride. Can I get an amen in the room? An amen at home? We're going to do it today. So the first question I have for you is what is worship? What is worship? I think we all have an idea in our mind of what that is. Worship for me and what I have been taught and how I have learned it and come to explain it is that worship is about God and not about us. Worship is the opposite of sin. 
So worship is the opposite of sin. So what does sin? What is sin? Sin is anything that is dishonoring to God. Sin is anything that deglorifies or dishonors God, which means that worship is anything that honors God. Now notice that the music guy did not say that worship is the songs that we sing here on Sunday morning. We'll get to that in a bit, but I might be talking my way out of a job by the end of this sermon. So if you could go ahead and say a little prayer for me, that would be great. You got your Bibles open. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I'm going to read it for you if you don't have it open. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a holy living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. I'm going to read it one more time. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God for all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So what does this mean? What does it mean to truly worship? And we just read it. It says, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. This is why worship is about God and not about us. This is why worship is about God and not about us and why we did that exercise at the beginning. It's because of what God has already done and accomplished for us that we give God honor and glory. And I am just as guilty as this, as all of, all of us. How often do we make worship about us? How often do we make Sunday mornings or whatever you got going on all about your personal preferences and desires and not about God and thanking him for the awesome things that he has done for us? We don't gather together and shout amen and sing at the top of our lungs because we're hoping to get something out of it, that God will do something for us. We do it because of what has God already done in our lives. Past tense. And it's because of God's love and sacrifice for us that we have the opportunity to have eternal life. Not because of anything that we have done, not because of anything that we could accomplish, but because of what God has already done for each and every one of us. If you grew up at church, you probably know this verse. If you didn't, you probably know it. I think it I would go on record to say it's the most famous verse in the Bible. It's John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, so that all believe, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And if we truly lived out that phrase, that worship is about God and not about us, maybe, maybe, we would focus on the ultimate sacrifice that God has already done for us, and look to the future on how he's going to use us rather than asking God to fix everything that we have going on in our lives. Because I think we all have storms in our lives right now, especially right now. But maybe if we understood that worship is about God first, we would look at that storm and say, maybe that storm is God breaking down something that I built so he can build me something better. Maybe. So the question in all of this is, how does God use us? How can we accomplish this? How can we truly worship if God has done everything for us already? 
In Romans chapter 12, again, it says we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. We offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Have you ever read something in the Bible or you've been reading a book or you watched Avengers Endgame for like the hundredth time and you finally found that one little Easter egg that everybody was talking about, right? This is this verse and this word for me these last couple weeks. It's that idea of sacrifice. And I have been wrestling with what does it mean to sacrifice? And I can imagine that everybody here in the room and watching online has had to sacrifice, especially in the season that we're in right now. Whether you have forgot or not, we are in the middle of a global pandemic. Not a Calvary pandemic, or a Minneapolis, or a Minnesota, or a USA pandemic, a global pandemic, meaning that it affects everybody. And we have all had to sacrifice something, big or small, whether we have wanted to or not, and that's hard. It's hard. And I think for me, first time I truly understood what it meant to sacrifice, like this kind of sacrifice that Paul is talking about, is when I had my first kid, when I had Brock. Well, I didn't. My wife did. I was there. It's true. I was there. I was a part of it. But when I had Brock, I will never forget, and I fully understood, that to sacrifice yourself is to show unconditional love for someone else. And I think as a parent, you know that. You learn that as soon as you become a parent. There is nothing that I wouldn't do for my kids. There is nothing that I wouldn't sacrifice for my kids. Now, before I worked here at Calvary, I worked at a church in St. Cloud called Westwood Community Church. I was there for about four or five years. Awesome place. Loved it. Um, but my very first Sunday, I was up there, and the pastor, his name was Steve, had one of the best liner, one-liners in his sermon that I have ever heard in my entire life. And it has stuck with me for 10 years. He said this, the definition of love is this. Love takes the initiative, acts sacrificially to meet needs. That's so good. Love takes the initiative, acts sacrificially to meet needs. And if that's not the perfect definition of John 3:16, I don't know what is. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. God took the initiative. He sent his son to die a horrible death on a cross, sacrifice, so that we may not perish but have eternal life, to meet our needs. Love takes the initiative, acts sacrificially to meet needs. This is why worship is about God and not about us at all. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't give us things. Don't hear me say that because we have a great God who gives us tons of stuff, but that's not what worship is about at its core. Worship requires us to sacrifice just like God sacrificed for us. And you know what? It's really, really hard. It's really, really hard. My grandma tells this amazing story um, about sacrifice. And um, she tells it, there's, there's two people that, that fell madly in love, right? And these two people did not belong together. All right, they did not belong together. The, the woman was super wealthy, came from a really great part of town, super ritzy. The guy was poor, kind of grew up in the slums, and somehow, fate would have it, they, they got together, right? They fell in love, they met somewhere, and they had that unconditional type of love for each other, the I would die for you kind of love. And um, 
one day while they were on a trip together, their ship hit an iceberg. And the ship went down, and Jack didn't make it. And Rose survived on that floating door that we all know there was room for both of them on there. But that's the idea, right? Jack was willing to die for Rose, even though there was plenty of room on there. We all know it. Lots of you are going to Google it after this, all right? We all know it. But that's the sacrifice, the unconditional love, the willingness to die for somebody that you love. And that's the love that God has for each and every one of us. So if worship is about God and not about us, what are we supposed to do? How can we possibly accomplish this same feet, the same sort of sacrifice. Fear not, scripture to the rescue. If you grew up in church or have any affiliation with with church, you might have heard of something called the great commandment, which is a little confusing because it's actually two commandments, but it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Great commandment. At Calvary, we boil that down to we want to love God and we want to love people. And we believe that the best way to love God is by loving people. The best way to love God is by loving people. Have you ever heard somebody say, you should worship God while you mow your lawn? I'll never forget the time somebody told that to me. You should worship God while you mow your lawn. At its core, that's a little ridiculous, right? If we're being honest, and if you're the person who told me that, I'm super sorry, I appreciate the knowledge. But I think at its core, that's a ridiculous statement. Because if worship is about God and not about us, and he wants to sacrifice and to love others in order to love him, the real statement should be, you should worship God by mowing your neighbor's lawn. Because it has nothing to do with you. And that may seem like a really low bar, like a really low sacrifice. But maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're like me and you judge your neighbor's lawn because it's not mowed and yours is. So maybe the sacrifice is to mow your neighbor's lawn instead of, excuse me, instead of yours that week. Because love takes the initiative, acts sacrificially to meet needs. Love takes the initiative, acts sacrificially to meet needs. A comedian by the name of Jeff Foxworthy from the Atlanta area, I think, said it best. He said, I am the most happy and at my best when I'm thinking about someone else. I am the most happy and at my best when I'm thinking about someone else. And if you think about it, that's completely true. When you're out serving, whether it's here at Calvary or in your community, you're usually not sad. You're usually always smiling. Even when you're like helping somebody move to college. And you got to carry that ridiculous couch. you got to pivot around all those stairs. Somebody got it over here. It's hard not to still be happy which is amazing. This is why worship is so much more than just the songs that we sing or the message that we preach here. Worship is action. We talked about the first step of worship is to love God, right? To give God glory, to give God honor. The second step we talked about is to love people. And we need to love people like Jesus loved people because God seeks worship from those who understand That to truly worship him is to lead people into a growing relationship with God. Because when worship 
is about God and not about us, our personal desires go away. Our personal preferences, what we like, all of that goes away and it becomes, God, how are you going to use me today? How are you going to use me to lead somebody closer to you today? How are we going to worship God in everything that we do? So, having learned all that, the million-dollar question is why, oh, why do we call music worship? Why? Why do we call music worship? This may be the part where I talk myself out of a job, but it's also the most frustrating part of my job title. We just preached half a sermon on how music isn't worship. So why do we call music worship? I like to think of it like this. If we love God first, he will give us the opportunity to love people in ways that we can only imagine. If we love God first, if we remember that worship is about God and not about us, he will give us the opportunity to love people better than we have ever imagined. And a great representation of this is the story of Pentecost in the Bible. Now, if you did not grow up in church land, Pentecost is in Acts chapter 2, also in the New Testament, right before the book of Romans. And a little backstory: Jesus has died, has rose again after three days, hung out for a while, and then ascended into heaven. Right? And the disciples are just hanging out. Can you imagine being a disciple? How emotionally taxing and stressful would that be, right? Your best friend, your boss, the person you have sacrificed everything for, dies. But he told you that he would rise again after three days and you didn't believe him. Then he shows up and scares you in some house, hangs out for a while, and then ascends into heaven and says, you guys got it from here. Man, I would be so stressed out. Not to mention a bunch of people are probably trying to get these guys and kill them. So the story of Pentecost is that all the disciples gathered in this house. And then the Bible says, suddenly... There were sounds from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and a cloud filled the room where they were sitting. This is why we have haze machines. For that reason. I'm just kidding. It's because they look dope. But what's great about this story is that when the Holy Spirit entered their house, all of the disciples started speaking in different languages, right? But they understood each other, which is crazy. In church, we call it speaking in tongues. All of the disciples understood each other, and everybody outside the house probably thought the disciples were super drunk, or they were high, or they were losing it, having an emotional breakdown. And my favorite line in Scripture comes next. It says that after all of this, Peter addressed the crowd. Peter addressed the crowd. He said, you too can receive this power. Repent and be baptized Something like 3,000 people were baptized, and that is literally the day that the movement of the church started. Here's why I love that line. It's because Peter took a private worship experience, a personal encounter with God, and used it to deliver a message of hope to all the people around him. Peter used a personal encounter with God to deliver the message of hope to everybody around him. This is why we worship together on Sunday mornings. 
this story. Because when we gather together and allow God to fill the space that we're in and to fill our hearts, we can turn our personal experiences here into opportunities for people to experience God through us. And that might be a little scary because you might feel like, hey, I am not the guy, right? I am not, I am a little too inadequate for God to be using me this way. And I am comforted and reminded that God works with what he's got. Which sounds bad, but is, entire, is so comforting. Peter was a fisherman with a bad attitude who cut somebody's ear off and is the rock that the church was built on. God uses ordinary people to make an amazing impact in this world. And this is the reason why I believe that churches use music as a way to lead people into worship. This is why we use music as a way to lead people into worship because it's literally the one thing that everybody in the world understands. A lot like that story in Pentecost, everybody was talking in a different language, but they get it. You understand music when you hear it all over the world. Right? You may not get the melodic structure or the rhythm, but you hear it and you know that's music. This is why I really believe that music is a gift from God and why we use it to worship him. Because everyone gets it. Everyone understands it. Even outside the church, music is known as the universal language, Right? Outside the church, everybody knows music as the universal language because everybody gets it. And in 1985, Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson got together, and they understood this, and they recorded the hit song, We Are the World. Now, full disclosure, I was not alive in 1985. I was born in 1989. So my first time experiencing We Are the World is when they redid it like in the 2000s, and Justin Bieber sang the Lionel Richie part at the beginning. And I was like, yeah, Mom and Dad, this is a great song. And they, like, shut it off immediately and made me watch the, the real version, uh, which is way better. I just want to give credit where credit is due. You can't beat Lionel. But Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie understood that music has the power not only to unite people, but to inspire the world to make a difference. And in 1985, We Are the World raised 60 Five million dollars, and if you just adjust that for inflation right now, it's 141 million dollars. That's crazy. That's crazy that they understood that music has that power to unite and inspire people. So if Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson understand that, they understand that music can inspire and impact the world. Can you even imagine? Can you even imagine what God could do if we allowed him to work through us? Can you even imagine what God could accomplish if we used what we're experiencing here on Sunday morning, our personal experiences, our private worship experience as a tool and as a vessel to deliver that message of hope around the world? Peter addressed the crowd. Peter didn't hold it in. Peter didn't say, thanks, God, I appreciate it, I'm going to hold on to this for later. Peter took that private worship experience and used it as fuel to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. 
We need to remember, church, that pa- I'm sorry, that worship isn't passive. Worship isn't passive. Worship isn't something that we just get. Again, not saying that God isn't a great God and he's going to help us out because he is and he loves you. But worship isn't passive. Worship is active. Worship is active. Worship is getting your hands dirty. Worship is mowing your neighbor's lawn. Worship is being a shoulder to cry on when your friends are in need. Worship is coming and gathering together on Sunday morning to support each other. Worship is loving people because we can best love God and honor him when we are loving those around us. That is what worship is. That is what it truly means to worship, to give everything that we have back to God. Because worship is about God and not about us. So my question for you today that I'm going to leave you with is this. How are you going to worship from now on? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I need to apologize for making worship about me more often than I'd like to admit. God, I hope that you can help us to understand that the best way to love you and to truly worship you is by letting go of ourselves and loving those people around us. Even if that means that we have to give up and sacrifice something. Help us to be bold. Help us to be courageous and energetic and excited to go out and help those and to love those around us. Help us to remember that love takes the initiative and acts sacrificially to meet needs. And we know with you at our back, the message of hope will get spread throughout the world. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so, so much for tuning in, whether you're tuning in online or here in the room. We are honored that you have chosen to be part of our service today. Again, we would love to continue to walk alongside you and support you. So please go ahead, throw a comment, something in the chat. We would love to connect with you. Um, Next week, we're going to be listening to Pastor Jason. He's going to be bringing us his favorite sermon next week. So make sure that you come back or you tune in next week for that. Uh, We're having a worship night tonight at 7 p.m. online at all of our major platforms. Please make sure you tune in. We can't wait to continue to support you. We can't wait to see you again soon. Have a great rest of your day.